Welcome to the Talent Pool Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan, founder and CEO of Kaplan Partners, a retained executive search and board advisory firm headquartered in Philadelphia. My special guest today is Silvana Battaglia, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Amerisource Bergen. Before joining Amerisource Bergen, Silvana served in a senior leadership HR role with Aramark and has previous experience with both Day and Zimmerman and Merck. Welcome, Silvana. Thank you for having me. So, Savannah, today I really want to talk about the role of the Chief Human Resources Officer. What do you see today, having been in that role for a long while and a number of organizations, as the the changes that you've seen in the last couple of years in the expectations of the CHRO role? I think there's not a week that goes by that I don't say to myself, oh my gosh, I would have never thought this is what I'd be dealing with five years ago, <laughs> like where I'd be spending my time. But I think when you think about just not just the role of the CHRO, but organizations in general as, as corporate stewards and corporate uh, companies, think about the increase in recognizing and responding to external actions and, and trends and events, whether that's issues of social injustice, issues of political natures, issues, right? There's this expectation that organizations are responding to those things. So I think kind of really trying to understand what we respond to and what we do not has come into part of the role of the CHRO. Obviously, we talked about flexible work uh, return to office, hybrid work. I was actually, you know, there was a lot of horrific things as a result of the pandemic, but I do believe one of the better outcomes of the pandemic was forcing a next normal when it comes to how we work. I think CHROs for a long time and HR organizations for a long time were saying, look, we have to broaden our talent pools. We have to, the world is getting smaller as companies are getting more global. We have to think differently about how we attract, retain our talent and where that talent comes from. And I do think that the shift and the emphasis on hybrid and flexibility has helped broaden the type of skills and capabilities we need. You know, we have a, an outstanding data scientist on our team in HR who lives in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know if we would have attracted him to work for our company if we said you have to work in suburban Philadelphia. And so that differentiators like that have been an important thing. I think inflation, structural inflation, when you think about what's happening to organizations and, and just the broader macroeconomic environment and the implications that has for how we're running our business. And clearly, I think when we think about digital and tech and the speed to which that's accelerating, um, social media, you know, all of these things come into play with our policies, with how we engage and interact with our employee base, their expectations of how we interact with them. And I think that too goes to another thing that's that's really shifted and been a difference is that shift in what we'll call the balance of power between organizations and their employees. And where employees have a strong voice. And if you're listening, right, they they have a strong voice. They have a lot they want to say about where they want to work, what type of company they want to work for, uh, what's important for to them from a ESG perspective, a social perspective. And so when I think about the CHRO five years ago, and obviously the focus on having strong benefits and competitive pay and good talent programs, it just sounds very different to everything I just described in terms of when I think about the past few years, I've been focusing on these external things, flexibility, the, the digitization, the, you know, it's been a real shift. 
a lot of HR executives, particularly those in middle market companies, want that, quote, seat at the table to be really part of the executive team. Yet a lot of organizations either don't value HR at the level they should, or there's a piece of experience missing, perhaps, in that HR executive's background to help them earn that seat at the table. Where do you think the gaps are for some of the really up-and-coming HR leaders that aren't quite yet at the table but but aspire to get there? I'll be honest. Like When I hear you say that, it sounds very 90s to me. If you don't mind me being transparent with that. Yeah, and it, it's, it actually saddens me to, to hear you make that statement because I would say if, if you're a really strong HR leader out there and you're not at the table, then you need to go find a different table to be sitting at. And there are companies, and, and I this is where I, I think now in a post-pandemic world, even though I know we're still dealing with the, the effects of, of COVID still out there, but I'll call it post-pandemic for now. But in this post-pandemic world and seeing how HR played such a critical role in ensuring that businesses could not just, in some cases, some thrive, but survive through the pandemic, whether it was, you know, their focus on employee well-being, their focus on business continuity, their focus on just overall surviving and and health and safety and things of that nature. So I, I would say that first and foremost, entry stakes is always that we have to be business leaders. And I happen to be a business leader who specializes in people and specializes in HR. And so I would encourage HR leaders who are struggling maybe in in companies that don't have that mindset of how to leverage HR and just really understanding what your business is, what why it exists and what it exists to do and how it makes money and how the human capital and and the people uh, agenda of that company can help drive better business outcomes for whoever your stakeholders are. I think the reason some, especially those, again, middle market, small cap companies don't, I think you have a lot of CEOs who don't believe in strategic HR because they've never seen it, right? And then they look at it and say, well, I would never pay that much money to get an HR person, but I know you're sort of the consigliere to the CEO. And that, to me, maybe is the most important role of a CHRO, right? I think there's a lot of CEOs and companies that have never had great HR. It's been very tactical and transactional. And I think, you know, to your point, I guess, to make yourself a more broader strategic business person who has specific expertise, just as your CFO needs to be a broad business person with finance expertise. To me, maybe that's what gets people there, or they need to go to a different organization that values human capital expertise differently. And look, I have an appreciation for you know people running smaller companies and uh, mid-market companies, as you said, but at the core of it, companies are people, right? They're not these like <laughs> empty boxes that generate money. <laughs> there are people behind that. And so when you think about, regardless of the size of the company, how do we attract people here? How do we engage people here? How do we motivate people here to do their best? How do we I mean, that is what makes up a company. That's what, and when you think about, you know, whether you're a small company or mid-market company, like what's the culture of your company? And is that important to the leaders uh, who started that business? And if it is, then you want to start thinking about, you know, how does the talent, you know, fit into the culture? And, And that's where having a strong, you know, HR leader really can add value. So has your role as CHRO of a sizable public company evolved relative to the board's executive compensation committee? 
Our executive um, compensation committee, we, we call it the uh, compensation and succession planning committee of our board, has a lot of responsibility and oversight when you think about, obviously, executive comp, but there's more to that. And especially now, I would say there's a large focus on, and not just compensation, but overall, are these corporations not just you know hitting their financial targets and have pay that's commensurate with the shareholder experience, but are they doing it in a way that they are good citizens, they are good humans, right? So it's not just about, hey, we're, we're a strong performing company and we're going to pay for performance, but how we do that and how we, you know, act as a, you know, a partner in our community, how we act as a partner with our ESG efforts. Those all have a strong bearing now, especially on for comp committees when they're talking about, you know, pay, they're talking about metrics, they're talking about plan design. You know, we literally just finished a meeting with our board and with our uh, comp committee where I sit and partake and support and bring forward data and information in terms of how we have to evolve our compensation programs to meet the ever-changing needs of our external shareholders. I would say for a public company, making sure you understand the expectations of our shareholders, as well as proxy advisory firms, and for those who are all assessing and evaluating, is really important. These shareholders can put their money anywhere. So the question is, why should they invest in us? And if they're investing in us, do they feel good that you know we are rewarding based on performance and based on what we do as a corporation for global good? Are the large institutional investors and proxy advisors, are they driving strategy on executive compensation? Are we sort of responding to their views or are we still in a position for you know public companies to be able to say, no, this is why we do it this way and convey the, the business rationale to them? It's a good question, but I would argue that it's more of a collaborative approach. So if anything, when we engage with our shareholders and I'm part of that shareholder outreach, and I would encourage any CHRO of a large public company or even a mid-sized public company to get involved in the shareholder engagement strategy when you're out there during the season getting ready for your proxy. And, and your annual votes and really listen to what your shareholders are saying. And, and what our top shareholders are saying is on topics such as ESG, do what's right for you. Now, we have a strong point of view, shareholders might say. We have an opinion. But at the end of the day, you know what's best for your company. We're not going to dictate you know, a metric that we think you should have. We're going to question the metrics you have, and we're going to analyze them and assess them and, and put their point of view on them. But at the end of the day, it's really important for companies to do what's important to their business. And so, you know, we've had great discussion. They give us good feedback. Sometimes we'll consider the feedback and say, you know, that's a good point. Maybe we do want to build something into our short-term incentive plan to address this or into our long-term incentive plan to address this. And other times we'll say, you know what, that that's just not right for what we're trying to do here. So I use them, I, I would say, as terrific thought partners to helping us. But obviously there's things that, you know, they have clear policies on that, you know, they will vote against certain things unless certain things are in there. So you have to be in compliance with those things. But in other areas, I think your shareholders can be tremendous thought partners to how you want to think about the design of your executive compensation programs. Well, Silvana Pataglia, I have learned a lot today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and carving out some time to be with us. I really appreciate it. 
Alan, it, it's been a true pleasure. I really thank you for having me on. You've been listening to the Talent Pool podcast. I'm your host, Alan Kaplan from Kaplan Partners. If you'd like to hear more from our guests or learn about our firm, visit kaplanpartners.com. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.